now water is trading on the stock market much like um, other commodities. So securing access to, to water is something that we all need to be very, very diligent about and paying close attention to and opposing wherever we can. Hello, thank you so much for Hit and Play on Earth Care. I'm Sarah Christie, host of the interview series that is 100% for the environment. It really does mean the world to me that you're letting Earth Care be part of your day. On Earth Care, we meet climate experts, heroes, and activists and get their take on how we can all help save the planet. So today, we're heading to Wellington County in Ontario to meet Arlene Slocum, the executive director of the Wellington Water Watchers, soon to be Water Watchers. This is an organization founded in 2007 that is dedicated to protecting, restoring, and conserving drinking water in Ontario. You might have heard or read something on social media or maybe signed a petition that says things like, keep water, public versus private, say no to big water. You've probably also heard that there are communities across Canada and right here in Ontario that currently don't have access to clean drinking water. Now, normally these interviews are between 10, 15 minutes. This one runs a bit longer because this isn't an easy topic. There's a lot to learn here, a lot to talk about, and a lot of contributing factors. And I'm just so grateful for the information that Arlene shared in just under 20 minutes. So Arlene joins EarthCare to chat about what all of this means, how it's connected, and how we can help keep our local water sources safe. Arlene Slocum, Executive Director of the Wellington Water Watchers. Thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with me and being on Earth here. It's such a pleasure to finally meet you. Can we just start with who are the Wellington Water Watchers? We were a group of just citizens in the Guelph area that formed like around a kitchen table as so many things do um, are in response to a couple of significant water threats that were happening in our community. And this we started gathering actually about right around this time, 15 years ago. So it was back in 2007. Um, and at the moment, there were two kind of major threats that had just come onto some of our radar. And one was the situation of um, aggregate impact at this quarry known at the time and still sort of colloquially known as the Dolime Quarry. Um, it, it had... Uh, been recognized that there was a, a breach through the protective layer over our aquifer um, by their excessive blasting below the water table. And, and that posed posed and continues to pose a very direct threat to um, the, the quality and health of the groundwater locally. So that was on our radar at the time. And the other thing that was on our radar, none of us in, like, I think it was just none, nobody really knew. And all of a sudden we realized that this previously like small mom and pop water bottling operation that was just down the road in Aberfoyle, uh, Nat, like had a big Nestle sign on it. So Nestle, I don't know how many, uh, you know, like that was the first time it sort of came forward that, oh, wait, this multinational corporation uh, now has their like national headquarters in Aberfoyle at this well and are extracting water um, from that well and another well um, in Hillsburg, which is also in Wellington County, thus the Wellington Water Watchers. In the spring of 2007, uh, we recognized that their permit renewal was coming up and then through the process in Ontario, whenever there's a, a new application or a renewal for a permit to take water, there's a public comment period. And so we organized very quickly to uh, have our community submit comments of opposition to uh, this renewal permit. And Interestingly, some folks we talked with at the ministry pri prior to that, I think on any of their um, previous postings, 
you know, maybe maybe like a maximum of a couple of hundred comments. Well, within a month or two, we had over 8,000 comments submitted. That's great. And it, yeah, it was a real, clearly it was a hitting a nerve and touching a, a nerve locally. So what has evolved over time is that um, folks have recognized that we have an effective way of campaigning. And so we are actually in the process of dropping Wellington from our name now, and we'll just be the water watchers. We're in the middle of that rebranding because what has happened, and we decided to just roll with it, is that other grassroots groups and communities across the region, across kind of Southern and Central Ontario, that are working to oppose some sort of threat to their water in their community have reached out for campaign support. Wow. And we have begun being that regional support hub, and we support many campaigns now um, through our method of campaigning. Uh, we work with their leadership team and are supporting at the grassroots level so we can build a collective movement of people who are working to protect water in the area. You said it right there. Talk about grassroots. And for anyone sitting at home listening or watching this, you know, going, well, does one person count? This is a yeah. prime example of the power of that movement. Now, you mentioned Nestle, and I recently just moved um, out of Kitchener-Waterloo, whereas Alora's right there. And if you go to Alora, there are signs everywhere that say boycott Nestle. And one of the campaigns on the Wellington Water Watchers website right now is say no to Nestle. Now, the only reason I really know a bit about this is because of going to Alora and seeing these signs and going, well, what's going on? And, and sitting down and doing some research. So can you speak to... Um, some of the some of the risks involved with these big water companies like Nestle when it comes to our local water sources because I I, I don't know that that's a common conversation that enough of us are having. Yeah, so interesting. The way that Alora became uh, in, in, involved in this is that um, there is a, a well uh, located just it's on Middlebrook Road. It's just a little outside of, of Elora, and Nestle uh, purchased that well. I'm trying to remember what year now. It might have been 2017 or 2018. Can't recall exactly, but they purchased that well. And interestingly, at the time, uh, Center Wellington, which is the region that encompasses Elora and Fergus and that area, Center Wellington, were doing a whole lot of groundwater studies and were recognizing with the growing population of those communities through the Places to Grow Act that they, the the community itself was was needing to find additional water just for the requirements of the of the community. And, you know, um, they had their eyes on this potential well as well to, to supply and, and be the source of water for the community. And in that moment, uh, Nestle sort of scooped in under like, you know, uh, like a private corporate number and purchased the well. Um, knowing the, that the, the township itself was was looking and buying. So there was sort of like almost, you know, I, arguably it was like a bit of an outbidding kind of scenario. And, and once again, so this organized and rallied people in Alora to get very vocal on it. And we worked very closely with the community in Alora and still do to build that into part of our Say No to Nestle campaign. Uh, that community has been so vocal and we've done a lot of really great work uh, in that area and have, um, effectively influenced the policies such that now there's a requirement that the, the host of any water taking permit for the purposes of bottled water uh, need to be a willing host. And, and through our successful pressuring and work that we did in that community, um, the Township of Wellington, Central Wellington is not a willing host. So we think we've effectively capped the potential for Nestle to be able to extract water from that well. 
um, but we're still keeping our, our eye on the whole thing. But the piece around why we need to pay particular attention to uh, water, um, like acquiring rights to water, water permits right now is that, and I believe uh, as a direct response from our pressuring and our pressuring in collaboration with communities across, uh, kind of across the globe uh, and, and very concentratedly across um, North America, we worked in coalitions with groups across North America opposing Nestle in their community and in collaboration with folks from Six Nations who, you know, one hour south of here uh, have boiled water advisories because of lacks of access to potable water. And meanwhile, these multinational corporations are extracting water for profit on treaty lands. And so through our collaboration with all of those, um, Nestle actually sold their North American operations. So they've sold it now to a private equity firm called Blue Triton, right. which um, is an interesting response to uh, like the pressure. It doesn't negate the need to stay really concerned about this because at the same time, perhaps you've heard this, now water is trading on the stock market much like other commodities. So securing access to, to water is something that we all need to be very, very diligent about and paying close attention to and opposing wherever we can. So um, interestingly, right now, Triton, the company that owns it, which I think, you know, you have to, we've been doing some research into the ownership structure. Triton is a, a, like one of these funds that usually comes in and purchase it through a heavily debt leveraged scenario and works right now. They're working with Metropolis, which is a marketing firm. And they're, they're the case study that we've reviewed was they did that with Twinkies uh, many years ago. And what happened essentially was like they did this remarketing, rebranding, and then quickly sold off shares. Uh, so like they're not in it for the long run. They're not in it for any kind of like stewardship. They're kind of in it as we probably all can speculate for the top dollar. And now that things are trading on the stock market, it's a, it's, we need to be diligent. Um, so interestingly, in the last little while, uh, we have noted that Triton is developing and working in partnership with the Weather Network. And the Weather Network, uh, who has in their value statements, uh, values that advocate for um, working to oppose the effects of climate change and, and, and are working towards climate mitigation. They have now partnered with Triton to say that while uh, climate um, chaos is on the rise, you should be prepared by having a case bottled water in your home. And they're partnering with Triton in this way, which is horrific. And yeah. so this is where some of our energy is going to go to next in terms of like raising that alarm bell and letting North America know this is not, this is like disaster capitalism at its, you know, so blatantly the way that, you know, it's marketing for climate chaos by a company that by their actions are increasing climate chaos and right. then the solution is to buy their product. So yeah, it's really, really kind of like, I don't know, alarming where we're going with all of this. So many things you just said there are outrageous to wrap your head around the fact that, you know, people are bidding on water when, like you said, within driving distance of where both you and I are right now, there are people with boil water advisories. So if you were to, because I, I truly think this is something that needs to be a conversation for everyone and, and beyond living in Alora, I didn't know much about this. So if you were to, it's not a simple concept at all, but to simplify 
how a big water company is leaving communities without access to clean water. What do you want people to know about that? Yeah, this is so this is a really good question. And interestingly, we did a poll back in 2018, where we, uh, you know, our one of our uh, intentions is to completely stop allowing permits for bottling water for for for, you know, uh, you know, permits to take water in our system were, I think, like originally designed in the idea that like communities need water for, you know, life and for living. And um, maybe, you know, like hospitals need water for all sorts of things. And some industry that uses water as an ingredient needs water. Agriculture needs water. And, and in all of those cases, there's many, many, many things that can be done to do that. Um, more efficiently and in a more honoring way of the water that's being used. So, you know, we've got a lot of work to do there, but it was never conceived of to be just take the water and make profit off of it. That was probably never part of the original construction. So we want, we want people to recognize that this is an example of taking advantage of a system that wasn't really part of the intention. And, you know, across the globe, we can see it. We can see that securing access to water uh, as we're watching the world reeling in the impacts of, of climate chaos, that access to water is going to be, um, you know, for those who whose pockets are deep. And if we want it to be other than that, then we must get diligent and we must be involved um, with stopping it wherever we can. At the same time, we need to be um, embracing and learning about and deepening in our um, education and responsibilities around, uh, you know, what does it mean to be a treaty person on these lands? Where do our responsibilities lie in equitable access for, for you know, the things that, you know, are not optional. Water is not optional. We all need it for life. So how do we, at the same time as opposing these multinational corporations, also lift up the voices of indigenous or other marginalized communities who are impacted by, um, you know, the, the the colonial structures that we put in place, such that there is no reliable access to clean, secure water. Like we need to do both of those in concert, and you know, continuing to 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 just, you know, if if folks haven't been aware that this has been going on, I get it. Like they're good at you know making it all glossy and look really good, and we need to all. Uh, step up and and learn whatever we can and that's why I, I I'm really excited about the way our organization has moved into being um, support for grassroots groups across the area because whatever challenge they're opposing in their area is connected and where we can all build together like a whole movement of folks that are becoming aware of these impacts and the way these multinational corporations are just securing access everywhere. Mm -hmm. that we can have a much more collective voice to oppose it and start to shift things into the direction to be making it an equitable access issue. I think you just touched on a couple of ways in that answer, but you know, for the rest of us who aren't part of the Wellington Water Watchers or soon to be the Water Watchers, how can we start taking action? One way is to get onto our mailing list because we have actions going out all the time that need lots and lots and lots of voices behind it. So you can go to our website, which by the way, is, is rather, is, we're, we're undergoing a website redo at the moment. So our website is kind of like 
not great. So go to it, but it'll be, we'll be revealing a new one fairly soon, but you can just subscribe to our list and then you'll be on our list and you'll get all of the actions that we are recommending, but also just, you know, so that's one, one way, one simple way. There's a lot of other organizations that are, that we work in concert with all the time, Council of Canadians, Environmental Defense, and the myriad of small community-based groups that are that are engaging it in their community. So yeah, you know, I'd say pay attention to what's going on around you. Local is so important. That's where your voice will mean the most. And um, you know, learn what you can at the same time, learn what you can about our treaty responsibilities. What treaty do you live in? Who are the original caretakers and stewards of the lands, and what what in, what are impacting those communities right in your locale? And how can we together be like building that that movement? There's power in in numbers, and there's power in people coming together around common goals. And there are so many impacts to groundwater across this nation. Inevitably, they all intersect and overlap with all of the other struggles that we may be opposing. So, so. The intersections of like social justice issues and water justice issues are they're 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 completely um, visible to see if you start peeling back the layers. They're completely one and the same. So whether your cause is um, you know more related to social justice, that's great. If your cause is more related to environmental justice, then just let let's let's open our eyes to see how those two work in concert and how we can lift each other's voices up. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of Earth Care. Don't forget, you can also find these full interviews on YouTube. You just have to search Sarah Christie, my name, plus Earth Care. They're the same interviews, just with some visual goodies to go along with them. You can subscribe to Earth Care here with this podcast or on YouTube or, hey, both. You do you. Plus, we can also connect on Instagram at Earth Care Show. If you have an idea for an episode, there's something that you want to learn more about or are simply just interested in taking care of our Earth Let's chat.